What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Remote Gaming Podcast, episode 19. The RGP is a podcast that comes to you each and every week from two friends who live on opposite sides of the country to bring you the hottest gaming news and industry insights. I am one of those gamers, and one of your hosts, Joseph King, joining me, as always, is a man who is in talks to play Abby in The Last of Us Part Two Netflix adaption, Kevin Corkum. <laughs> I wish. Fuck, I wish I was yoked like Abby. Jesus Christ. She puts my fat, flabby body at the moment to shame. <laughs> yeah, she she would destroy both of us in a cage yeah. match. I'm quite sure. At the same How you been, time, Kevin? We, I've been good. I've been good. I've been uh, you know quarantining and and you know life's kind of normal. I got a job interview later today, so I'm excited about that. Hopefully, go uh, go heard. nail go nail that and um, you know have that carry me through the holiday season. So that'll be great. Are you, are you gonna Are you gonna walk in like uh, Will Ferrell in Step Brothers and just like I'm here to fuck <laughs> shit up? <laughs> Basically, that's what I do at every job interview. So. No, right. I, I mean, I, I always I always say, you know, if I can get in the room and if I can sit down with someone one on one, you know, I can I can generally get the job. It's the, the hardest, you know, entry point in, in getting any job is getting that first initial interview. And I, I've had one on the phone already. So this is kind of like a follow up interview. So I'm just I'm hoping I get the position. There are a couple open. I'm hoping I get the position that I want at the price point that I want. But uh, I'm pretty confident that 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 it can happen so yeah the, the, uh, yeah. Fir- the, the first part's kind of always the uh the initial date getting yes. to know each other and then now you're gonna go in just walk her up to her apartment and just give her a good stabbing oh yeah dead <laughs> right there <laughs> oh man um, how are you yeah how, how are you good, feeling man? right because last uh, yeah, week I... we were we were in the middle of covid and yeah, I I have uh, successfully, for the most part, beaten coronavirus. I have uh, gotten over it. I feel great. I, I don't feel like completely 100%, but I think it's just because I've kind of just been here at home being lazy, doing nothing. I need to get out and about and start moving again. And uh, I still can't smell or taste, really. Um, it is slowly, I think, coming back, but I still kind of really can't smell or taste anything. And that sucks, but uh, hopefully that'll go away. Um, just kind of... Doing good. I was supposed to go get a, you know, I'm I'm a paramedic and I have to go get a negative test before I can return to work. And it decided to snow here in where I live in Texas today. And roads are all icy and I could probably make it up to an urgent care to go get a test, but I I just don't want to. Don't feel like it. So I'm going to kind of just enjoy this cold, lazy weather today. So it's October 27th. Now I'm I'm yeah. originally from Massachusetts, right? And we got the occasional snow and ice in October, very very rare. But like mm-hmm. you're in Texas, how the fuck do you have <laughs> snow on the ground and it's October yeah. 27th? Yeah, where I live in Texas is uh called the Texas Panhandle. I live up north uh, around here with uh, Amarillo, uh kind of at the top little rectangle square part. Uh Amarillo is a decent sized town. We're about you know, two fifty to three hundred thousand, if you count all the surrounding area. Um, so we're we're decently sized, but not a lot of people know about Amarillo too much. Uh, but the thing about living in the northern Texas Panhandle, the elevation is so high, and it makes our weather uh, kind of act like a thirty-five-year-old woman on her period. <laughs> it just, it just, it'll snow. Like we got snow in May once. Like that happened Oof. when I was like sixteen. Um, like our, I always kind of describe Emma living in the panhandle as our summers are like living in Phoenix and our winters are like living in Wisconsin. Ugh, that fucking blows. So it just, it kind of, it, it depends too. Like it's been very hot too. Like it was 89 degrees 
two days two days ago to kind of give you how so crazy random random the weather is and it's becoming progressively hotter this time of year is usually in the 50s and 60s and so it has been all of october has pretty much been in the 80s there was a couple days in the 90s global warming is a thing it is happening and (laughs) climate change is real as you can see because now it is uh i just checked it's 17 degrees outside at uh, 10 30 in the morning here so no thank you it's uh it's a sunny 82 degrees here you know that for us is cool because it's been so hot all summer, it's yeah, it's beautiful. We're getting into the. I said this to to Casey, my girlfriend, uh, you know, last night. I said we're getting into the stretch here of like the the five month, six month stretch where we have the best weather ever. Especially being a little inland in Orlando and a little north, it gets it gets a little cooler here. So during the winter and, months, you know, well, it's going to be like seventy five degrees every day, and it'll dip down at night into the low sixties. So it's going to be like prime weather i can't wait uh, it sound, sounds like perfect weather it's kind of like i guess like kind of how southern california is is how yes. i hear like kind of the middle of florida is yeah it's it's beautiful i cannot wait for it to get nicer because it's just yeah hot. yeah it's uh it's i'm i'm a fall winter kind of guy anyway like my favorite holidays are halloween thanksgiving and christmas not in that order i'm really more of a christmas person believe it or not yeah. I may come off kind of like an ass sometimes, but like I love like the Christmas spirit. I love when everything is like decorated with lights and tinsel. Like I just love that. Like I just see it, yeah. it. It's like the one time of year that people are just genuinely better to each other and it just makes for a better time. I love Christmas yeah. time. I, I agree. It's the best. It's the, it's the best time of year. So, you know, Kevin, usually around this time is when we uh, answer our reader mail for the podcast. Um, We did actually not receive any this week. So, you know, even our fellow faithful listeners that have wrote in uh, back to back weeks, you know, feel free to continue that trend. Uh, Don't feel like you're overwhelming us with emails. Uh, Like, obviously, we're not we have not received one this week. Uh, You can always reach out to us at remote gaming podcast at gmail.com and also on Twitter at remote underscore gaming 20. Reach out to us. Tell us how we're doing. Let us know what we need to improve upon. Let us know if you love us. Let us know if you hate us. And give us any questions that you'd like to ask, have read on the air. Doesn't even have to be about video games. Like, I think we we got a question one time about what was our favorite fast food. So whatever you guys (laughs) want to talk about, we will do so. Kevin. Yeah. I need to know what the fuck you've been playing this week. So I jumped into a bunch of um, Warzone, the new... Uh, update the spooky update there with the zombies and everything and I, I just I have to applaud Activision here it's not often that an update goes this well I feel like and I've, I've also I've been playing Fortnite as well I forgot to kind of put that in the dock but um, yeah, I got a college buddy of mine that we we play Fortnite every once in a while together and comparing the two um, Halloween modes uh, Warzone's better by uh, by a mile almost. Uh, the the respawn you come back as a zombie essentially, and you have to collect vials which are dropped by dead enemies. So you can either kill them or find them on the ground. You get two and you drop back in with your loadout. It's fast pace. It's really fun. Um, there, I, I, it's just they did a really good job with it. It's not broken, which I was really worried that it was going to be broken given Activision's history and Infinity Ward's history so far with updates and you know essentially breaking the game with every other update. Uh, it's not that way, and I bought. I, I like the update so much. I bought the Texas uh, Chainsaw Massacre skin. 
Uh, I, I, I wanted to support it. I think the skins are awesome. I think the new guns and everything that they uploaded for Halloween is just spot on. So, uh, props to them. It, it's a solid, solid update that I think deserves at least a play. I want to talk about that for a minute. I, you know, I played a couple matches with you. I liked it. Um, it, it, I have not played since that first day. It did seem to have a lot of crashing to where it would send us back to the lobby. Have they fixed that? Yeah, I haven't I haven't run in that that's the only time I've run into it was when it crashed on us that that Good. one time. Or okay, cuz I I had read on the online too a lot of people had been experiencing those crashes on day 1 and they were saying it was kind of broken. Um but that's good to know that they fixed it. Uh so they have the two modes, right? They have like the zombie mode at night and then they have just the regular battle royale at night, which we also They do. Play. Yeah. Do and they still have that. S- yeah, they've been cycling things in and out, so I'm not exactly sure what it is today, but they've been they've been doing kind of playlist updates, so they mm-hmm. definitely still have the zombie mode. The only thing I wish, I wish they had a, a four-person squad for the zombie. It's only three people, which is weird if you're normally running with four people and you kind of have like a thing going and you have to you know leave someone out. It's a little strange, um, but they've been they've added the night mode in and out, so you can kind of play the way you want to right now, which is nice. Uh, you can still drop into the regular VR if you want. Uh, no zombies, no night mode. Or you can jump into night mode without zombies. Or you can jump into zombies, which is night mode and, you know, uh, three-person trios. So Now, I like the what they've done with it, like responding to a zombie. It was super fun because that you just kept every time you die, as long as you could find a vial and you weren't killed as a zombie, you kept coming back and kept coming back. And it was very fun and it got kind of intense there towards the end because there were so many people in the final circle. Um, but... My thing is, is what I wish they would have done was done the BR mode at night where it's PVP and also have added virtual zombies like PVE, PVP kind of thing. And like, I would have rather have been to and made the zombies like super powerful and like just as powerful as they are right now, but made them computer controlled. So you're having to go against both. I think that would have been for a more funner uh, kind of intense experience. Yeah, so Fortnite does that a little bit because there's a lot of bots in Fortnite, you know? Yeah, so yeah. when you die in Fortnite, you come back and, you know, uh, as, a, as a zombie, but you're not on your team. Like, you're now part of the zombie team, which is different in Warzone because you're still part of your squad, which I like. But so there's, you know, now in Fortnite, if you kill a squad of, of bots, which, you know, everyone does, they're terrible, I the whole bot thing is something else to talk about with Fortnite, but they come back, the zombies come back even as bots and they just like, don't act the same. They don't, they're, they're easy to take down either way. And I, I, if they had no Fortnite in the past had done what you're talking about with, with little zones of NPCs that you could knock out and it would give you loot. So there was incentive to do it because they Mm -hmm. would give you good loot depending on, you know, if you defeated the tower, it's, it, it was a little bit of mix of like tower Fortnite combined with br Fortnite, which was cool i really like that um but yeah with warzone i just i i don't personally i don't know if i want the npcs in there because it's so cluttered with regular players i think it would get confusing unless they um made them look different and and kind of act different have different Mm -hmm. abilities um because if if i couldn't tell if it was a bot or not i feel like that would get kind of a little overwhelming because uh, just, I mean, the fucking zombies in that mode can jump on you from almost 50 meters away and like yeah. land directly on top of you, which is really fun. It adds for a for a really good like, uh, I don't know, like a like a, a good 
dynamic gameplay experience, I guess. It just heightens your awareness and you you have to be more hyper aware of your surroundings and everything around you. You have to yeah. it is as intense as Warzone can get. If you've never played Warzone, it's a battle royale and uh, the circling closes like all BRs, but it's just it it has more of a not necessarily realistic feel, but uh, a different it definitely feels more intense. It's more tactical. Yeah. Yeah, it's you more to, tactical. You, like it's more intense, and I think with the zombies, it just makes it even that much more intense. Yeah. I mean, rotations in Warzone are especially important, um, even more important than games like Fortnite, because you don't mm. have as much mobility, and the maps get are, are, are complex, and depending on where you know the circle lands and all this stuff, you kind of have to really work on your rotations. Um, it's extremely important in Warzone because you'll get punished if you don't rotate properly. You'll you'll just die because position is so important there when there's, you know, 10 squads left or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, what else have you been playing, Kevin? I have played a lot more of the Ghost of Tsushima Legends mode. Uh, and I'm, I, I gotta tell you, man, this, this deserves to be praised and, and, and praised big time because... They launched this mode free along with, you know, the base game if you have it. Um, and the loot progression is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Everything feels usable and everything feels powerful when you get it. There's nothing is broken. The enemies are different from the base game. And as you as you increase in your bronze, silver, gold type survival mode, or I haven't done the co-op, I've just been playing survival. So I'll 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 save my co-op kind of for, for a couple other podcasts when I get that down. But there's the enemies are not just fucking bullet sponges. Like it they don't just get more health. They have different abilities and different powers, like they can explode poison or they have different... The the way the game is designed is such a slap in the face to games like Anthem and all these other live service games that have broken loot and the enemies are just complete bullet sponges, like... How can how can Sucker Punch, who is uh, I mean obviously a very talented studio, but these are not the types of games that they're used to developing. Mm-hmm. How can they nail it so well right off the bat? And and like these developers that are developing only live service games can't nail it this way. Yeah, like it took it, them almost two and a half years to get Destiny Two right, you know. Right, and and I'm like you know. They do such a good job of the menus, inventory management. Uh, you know, you constantly, every time you kind of pull out of something at the beginning, you're getting new, more powerful gear, or you're getting cooler aesthetic outfits to customize your ghost. And they have four different playable archetypes. You've got your, uh, like your samurai, your archer. Um, these are not the exact names. Your your support character, and then your um. Uh, who is it? Uh, missing one. Support archer, um, go uh, regular guy, and then like your assassin class, <laughs> and each have different ways of playing. They have uh, different abilities. It's just, it's really fucking good, and it's fun to play because the combat's phenomenal. Very tactile it feels good to play you know the teamwork like when you get a team that's working together you can clear out these things easily and i i I popped in uh, a game the other day and i was playing with these you know three randoms or whatever 
and I had a mic. Another guy had a mic, but he was listening to music in the background, so he was like on and off mic. And mm-hmm. but you could feel the synergy, right? I, they had one of we had one of each class. So we had, you know, the guy taking the the archers from afar. We had the guy who was doing, uh, you know, the support class who was healing and buffing when he needed to. You had me you, going in there dealing damage. And, do you and have the, to have that set up or can it all be like the rogue type? Or no, all yeah, you can all, yeah okay. you can all do it either way. You know, obviously you kind of that synergy, you you feel it, right? And the game don't, pl- it, plays better if you do it that way. Yes, exactly. And and it's games like Destiny where you don't really need a warlock, a titan, and um, uh, a hunter, right, to to play the game effectively. You could go in three titans. You could go in, and I, I think there's merit to that as well. But it does feel cool to have the synergy of all of these different archetypes playing together and 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 handling things their own way. It's just it feels good to play, and it it's very well balanced and. Yeah, I mean, hats off to to Sucker Punch because this shit is it's phenomenal. Do you, do you think? Um, like I said, I mean, I have not still to this day have yet to play this game. Um, but do you feel like the uh, with this mode and how good the campaign is, and you know, you have the co op part as well? Do you feel like this can win game of the year? I mean, do you feel I, like it's going to? I I don't think it's going to but i think it should absolutely be in the conversation um it it's i haven't finished the base game and honestly i just keep coming back to the legends mode because i i really enjoy that but even what's in the base game is is phenomenal it has one of the highest user scores of any metacritic game it's it's just really good and it's it's a bunch of stuff that gamers want yeah, it's polished. Sure. It's beautiful. The gameplay is good. The story is there. You know, the world is is you can interact with the world in very interesting ways. I mean, one of my favorite thing to do in the campaign is to compose haiku. I love that shit. It's so yeah. Fun. Explain it's so this cool. to me. I've, I've I've heard this. Like you you make haikus in the game. Like what? How does this work? What is this? So you you go to like certain different areas throughout the the map that are guided by either birds. I think birds take you to do haiku, but they also take you to springs. I can't remember. It's been a minute. But you so you basically go and you compose these haikus, right? And and you kind of look at things. It prompts you to look at things throughout your environment, and you just compose haiku. It's really cool. And after that, you get. Um, you know, like a different uh, gear piece or something like that. And it's just another thing to check off. But it's this really nice, like, moment where you sit down and you look at the beauty of the game and you compose this haiku that, you know, is haiku. Haiku is great. Um, so it's, they just, the detail is, is, is fantastic in the game. And Sucker Punch, I think, with this Legends mode kind of, um, exceeded all expectations and really should be applauded for the work, the polish, the depth, and how fun it is. You know, it's kind of crazy to think that we we sit here in a in a uh, where Sony has the potential to have three straight years of Game of the Year. Um, 2017, a lot of websites gave Horizon Zero Dawn Game of the Year. Uh, a lot more went to Breath of the Wild. Uh, even at the Game Awards, Breath of the Wild won Game of the Year. Uh, the following year, in 2018, uh, God of War won. Swept. And, you know, last year, 
Uh, we had, um, what did we have last year? No, Spider-Man came out in 2018 as well, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, I don't think there was a Sony exclusive last year, was there? I don't think so. Let me see. Because we had Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part Two this year. Last year, I know Days Gone came out. Sekiro won in 2019. But that's not a... Uh, Exclusive. Yeah, Sony, I, right. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's it is crazy that their their studios do continue to develop these games that are upper echelon game of the year. I'm sure Last of Us Part Two is going to be in that contention. Death if, Stranding was the one that was in contention for game of the year. Last that's year right, and that Sony. and that technically was a Sony exclusive for a while. Um, so I mean, it's just kind of crazy that they they continue to kill it with these first party exclusive games that, um, you know, we'll talk about here in a minute uh, uh, in our, when we get to the news section of uh, Phil Spencer and some of the first party games he wants to see. But yeah, Sony continues to kill it and it doesn't look like that momentum is slowing down anytime soon. Nope. What else have you been playing, Kevin? So I've been trying to get back into Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, everyone knows, well, not everybody, but I've talked, I've complained about the attraction feature in um, Kingdom Hearts 3, which are basically these things that um, pop up as uh, they're just mindless and stupid and 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 they, they break the game, in my opinion. Um, it's it's like a prompt and you just go through and you can completely destroy anything in your path with these attractions that pop up what feels like every five minutes. So you can now turn them off, but only if you play on critical mode unless you buy their $30 DLC, which allows you to have a bunch of customizable features and you can basically turn on and off any game mechanic that you want. I don't want to pay $30 for the fucking DLC so I can play through Kingdom Hearts 3 without a game-breaking fucking thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to play on critical mode because I, I want to have somewhat of like a casual playthrough. I want to play through on Proud, which is kind of like their... They're hard mode, right? Not like the expert, but it's difficult. You take more damage, you don't give as much damage, and, you know, things are nerfed a little bit. I don't want to have to play through on critical mode just so that I don't have to play with attractions on. But it looks like right. that that's my, that might be what I have to do, which means I'm going to have to kind of sweat through most of the game, even though there are other things I could uh, that could help me kind of cheese through. I just... I'm just disappointed, I guess, is that how this fucking game gives players what they want, but you have to pay $30 for it. And the DLC is really not that great. It adds a couple more story things. I mean, it does add super bosses, which if you're part of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, super bosses are are everything, right? And I, I know that. I don't necessarily have the time to learn all of the patterns and everything to defeat these 13 super bosses that they've added, which is incredible content. Um, the DLC story stuff is is crap, but from what I hear, the super bosses are some of the best in the series. Um, and, uh, you know, even when I was young and I was playing Kingdom Hearts 1 and there's a Sephiroth uh, super boss, which is so fucking hard. You know, I grinded it and I learned the all of the, the move sets and everything I had to do to defeat the boss. And it's very it's souls like in the sense that most of them can basically one shot you and mm -hmm. um you know, that's that adds a lot of fun And the combat to Kingdom Hearts has, was always one of the big draws for me. I think the combat for the most part is phenomenal. So I want to be able to cater the game the way I want to play it and turn this off, turn certain drive modes off, you know, 
disable certain links and and do do what I want to do, but I don't want to pay thirty dollars for it. It just that's it kind, really that's kind sucks. of egregious that you, to to get into a, a like a mechanic to help unlock some of these things and and make kind of quality of life changes that they're they're kind of covering it as an expansion. That's kind of insane to me. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. I just I. I'm just disappointed because I, I got the itch to get back into it because I've only played it through once and I played it when I was in New York. And so I, I was focused on it, but it wasn't 100% because I was kind of playing in a, in a living space with other people. And, you know, I, I didn't get my full the full experience that I wanted. And honestly, the attractions were a big turnoff to me from from the very beginning. So I, I hearing and searching through reddit finding that i can finally turn those things off but i can only do it if i buy the dlc or if i play on the hardest difficulty i was like really so i I downloaded it to see if that's true and of course it is true i was just hoping that it wasn't and i'm just it sucks i don't really want to have to spend 30 dollars just to play the game the way it should have been fucking made in the first place um and it's not to say that the attractions aren't cool because they are and obviously as i i love the disney theme parks i live in orlando i've worked for the parks i've done all these things so i i love the fact that they're implemented in the game and they're beautiful and they're really really great and well done um and it's a it's an amazing nod to the theme parks it's just i don't want i just don't want to play with them they 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 make the game feel like easy mode and they take away from the fun awesome tight combat controls that kingdom hearts is known for so yeah that's my that's my soapbox i'll get off of it now nobody wants to hear about (laughs) kingdom hearts but i had to gripe about it because it's just disappointing i they shouldn't developers shouldn't be locking accessibility options behind a dlc it's 2020 not that's that's kind of insane that should that that is definitely falls in the realm of something that should be a free update and i'm i'm glad you brought that up because i would have never known about that but that is kind of an insane asinine business practice but what else are we to come to expect from square enix these days yeah that sucks well i have been playing um getting i've been in getting back into world of warcraft because pre-patch and everything has been out getting ready for shadowlands uh expansion to drop i'm currently leveling a shadow priest they're extremely fun to play uh a lot that class has been completely reworked um it's it's a very heavy hitting dps class i'm i'm really enjoying it it's fun um kind of putting my warrior on the back burner playing that I've, uh, I've kind of been dipping into some Valorant here and there. I am. I don't know what it is. Maybe the competition is just better now since more people have that game uh, because streamers like summit and shroud have been making that game more popular. Uh, it, it just kind of sucks uh, because I've been getting my ass kicked. So I've kind of taken, I'm probably going to take a step back and kind of reevaluate my life choices because I am just not as good <laughs> at Valorant as I once was. Um, but there is a game that kind of came out of nowhere for me, a game that I have spent almost a whole year and a half bashing. Um, Kevin, what is the one company besides Microsoft on this podcast that we seem to give a really hard time to? Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda Game Studios. Um, I cannot believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say um, on this podcast live, but Fallout 76 is a good game. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. He's drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, my God, Kevin. This game is so much fun. And 
I I am one of the people that bashed it. I still think they they treated this game poorly. They they they, they I think they launched an unfinished product that they were trying to. I think it was rushed by their Austin studio, and you know the whole thing with the duffel bag incident and everything. That's all bad business practices. <laughs> but with the Wastelanders update that released earlier this year. Um, I'd heard some bumblings in the Fallout community that uh, the game was starting to be good again and people were returning to it. And I started watching some Twitch streams of it. And I was like, I looked at it on Games Pass and I downloaded it again and it still ran like shit. But I opened up my Bethesda Games Launcher because I do know that sometimes on PC, certain apps running in certain other apps like you know running a game through the microsoft store or through the uh, xbox game pass is different than how it would run on steam that's just how it is uh, because you're launching it through that that application and so i was like well let me try it it was they had a free weekend this past weekend and so i downloaded it through the bethesda launcher and it ran phenomenal it ran phenomenal it it are not okay let me back up a minute Phenomenal for how it did. Remember, I, I tried to download it a couple of <laughs> months ago. There we go. There's the caveat. Hey, hang on. It still it does run very, very well on PC. Um, I'm getting around 60 frames per second. Uh, usually, um, there are sp- certain areas where the game will kind of, uh, when there's too much happening on screen, it does slow down. Um, but I've got some pros and cons here. And uh, for anybody that's wondering, the free, uh, I think the free... Um, event is still going on until the 31st or the 29th. There's still a couple of days. So um, it is free on all platforms. Currently, if you want to download and check it out, uh, you can download a demo on Xbox one and PS4, as well as PC through uh, the Bethesda uh, launching app. Um, But the pros that I have now, Kevin, this, you know, this game takes place in West Virginia, Um, takes place kind of yeah, along the Appalachian mountain range and things like that. And um, it's probably some of the best environmental storytelling I've ever seen in a Fallout game. Um, The world itself feels more alive to me anyway than Fallout 4 did. Uh, Fallout 4, one of the biggest things that I hated about Fallout 4 was the world in Bethesda games is usually the main character, right? I know you're it's an RPG and you're creating your character, but they, they've they always done such a great job in games like Fallout 3, New Vegas. I know that was Obsidian, but uh, Fallout 3, New Vegas, uh, Skyrim, um, you know, the Elder Scrolls. For they, they all tell a really good job of environmental storytelling. That kind of missed the mark in Fallout 4. I don't know what it was. That game just did not feel as alive as Fallout 3 and New Vegas did. And it and, and in turn kind of made the game play a little bit boring to me. Um, in, in Fallout 76, and I don't know how much is from original content to where it is now with the Wastelanders update, but every building that I've entered tells a story, uh, whether it be, you know, corpses from the, the, the atomic fallout that are on the ground notes that have been left behind pre-war and, and just reading some of these things and really kind of getting the feel of the, you truly feel like you're living in this world. Another reason I think that you truly feel like you're living in this world is the level of danger is 
unlike any Fallout game I've ever played. Like the, I've never pl- like I know you can play on harder modes on Fallout, but I usually play like on the normal setting, and those games are not hard at all. Um, you play Fallout for the story and 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 for the the you know the beats that you pick up and the stories along the way, right? So I've never really played it for the the uh, the difficulty and fallout 76 is not difficult that's not what i'm saying but because it is online and you're having to worry about when you first start the game when you first come out of vault 76 and you make your way into the world um you're you have no weapons it's it's like every other fallout right you got to find everything that you have but it's so i can't describe the the unease i felt like i truly felt like i was coming out of this vault into this world that I was not prepared for in fallout three and four and new Vegas. I, I got out and I, you, you go, right. You just go, you just right. go in one direction and you start going and you can do that in fallout 76, but it just feels very, everything feels like it has a consequence. Everything that I did feels like it has per- there. Everything appears to have purpose. Um, every piece of junk and loot that I get, you know, I went back and I built my camp and I built a house uh, out of wood because you can find logs on the ground and that's how you collect wood. And I was able to build a cabin because there are like in fallout four, there's the radiation storms and your, your health does seem to deplete faster in this because they also added elements of, I don't know. Did you play fallout shelter at all for your mobile phone? I did. Yeah. Believe it or not. So Fallout Shelter was a lot of fun, and one of the elements that's in 76 from Fallout Shelter is the hunger and uh, uh, thirst aspect of the game. You have to eat, you have to drink to, to keep, uh, or else your AP starts getting uh, affected, and it causes you to either you know lose stamina, you, you can't run for as long as you can, um, your weapon sway is increased if you don't eat or drink, um, you have to, you don't have to sleep, but it is, you do get benefits from resting and it's, it's just, it feels more like how a fallout game should feel. You know what I mean? Like you're in post-apocalyptic world and you're trying to survive all the while while completing quests. And now as far as the quests go with Wastelanders, I just finished one complete, uh, quest line, which is where I went and I saved this bar from being taken over by, uh, bandits. I helped them. First thing I had to do was stop the bandits, uh, and, and keep them to leave the bar alone. Cause they're looking for this treasure and I stopped them. And then the bartender was like, okay, uh, can you, would you mind now that you stopped them? Can you mind, you seem strong enough that you can handle yourself. Can you go and find the two guys that I had that were, basically her uh security at the bar I have to go find them once i find them we get information about the treasure and it just kept going and going and it kept getting better and better and it like the they wastelanders they it looks they 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 nailed the uh quest diversity and and the and the dialogue options of a fallout game fallout 4 it had dialogue you know and dialogue options but it just didn't feel like there was any choice to that like i ran into somebody earlier who was part of another group called the responders and she she wanted to know if i was from vault 76 and i just chose the option vault 76 never heard of it and it stopped where it was going she was like oh okay never mind she seemed kind of disappointed and it sucked because like i i missed out on whatever (laughs) she was going to say that just seemed like the interesting choice to say at a time but I found out now that like there's this little backstory between why this person doesn't want to be involved with Fault 76 and things like that. It's just it's just 
it does it the questing in it feels like fallout this feels like more like fallout 3 than fallout 4 even though the art style and the engine is from fallout 4 it, it feels more like fallout 3 which i liked more than fallout 4 i liked fallout 3 a lot more um and then yeah. and it's and it's basically feels that way because of the npcs alone um they just feel more it feels more like a fallout game to me than fallout 4 did um the quests so far seem kind of varied i'm hoping that it's a it's a decent size update as far as the wastelanders goes i'm hoping i get more of these quests like that the one in the bar i don't know i haven't really done that because the cool thing about it is, is i can go about my business doing quests but i'm also like okay i know i need to i need to put a, a cook craft station up at my camp so i have to get the the materials to to build a fire uh crap i need to eat so let me go back to my camp real quick and make a steak from this cow that i killed and, and things like that like it's just it feels very alive now as far as like the online aspect of it goes um Everybody, this is probably, and it may be because the community is so small because it got such a horrible launch, but the community, this is probably the best online community in any online game I've ever experienced. There are no griefers, it seems like. Um, when I first got to my camp, this guy rolled by in power armor and he was like level 360 or something outrageous. And I'm sitting here at level two and I'm just staring at him and I'm like, this guy's going to kill me, isn't he? Now in Fallout... <laughs> The way combat works online in Fallout 76 is you have to engage that other person in combat to take a, to start taking damage, correct? So he could have shot me and it would have slowly ticked down my health, but because of how high of a level he was, it probably he probably still could have killed me. And so I was kind of worried. And then all of a sudden, he just starts dropping equipment for me. He dropped me a shotgun. He dropped a bunch of uh, junk resources to use to to build things with and just left and that was it (laughs) and hey hey dude here's a here's some shit that i don't need but you can definitely use yeah and it was and it was so cool and he then then after he left uh i had to move my camp because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing at first um but i i built my camp right where super mutants spawn (laughs) and uh (laughs) these super mutants showed up and they were uh a few levels higher than me and he just showed up and destroyed them with like a Gatling gun. And, and then he left and I was like, yeah, I should probably move my camp. And so (laughs) it just, it just, it's so much fun. Um, there are some cons that I have now. The graphics are not as good as fallout four. Uh, the map is huge. It's, I think it is a little bit bigger than fallout fours map. And also, it being an online game, it just does not run as good as Fallout 4. It's not as smooth as Fallout 4 is. And I'm assuming consoles the same way. Everything I've read about it on console is it runs at a stable 30 FPS and does feel decent. Um, there's not much stop and slow down on the console version uh, now. It has been patched a lot. And so I'm sure it feels better than it did. And some people listening to this be like, no, the game ran like shit. But apparently it doesn't anymore. And I watched I watched some Twitch streamers who were streaming it on Xbox One and uh, it was running just fine. So hopefully those issues have been fixed for the most part. But man, I, I can't I cannot believe how good of a game this is. This feels like a almost a, a up there as far as redemption stories go of something like No Man's Sky, a game that right. launched terribly and is now in a, in a great state. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I can't... I Like, after I get off this podcast, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going back to Appalachia, and I'm playing... Oh, and the one other thing I wanted to talk about, too, is the music. 
music and fallout's always been a big thing right like the old school 40s music oh yeah this game has pretty much every soundtrack from every fallout game and plus a few new ones like i was sitting there and then like beach boys started playing and it was just so it fit the game so well even though these the fallouts usually known to have music from the forties, like it does have like the ink dots and like, I'm don't want to set the world on fire. It has all those, but it has like, um, Tennessee Ernie Ford. It has the beach boys. Um, it has a Johnny cash song in there. Like it's, it's very, very good. So nice. If you're listening and you want a good survival type game to play, check out fallout 76. It is Probably because I'm not playing Ghost of Tsushima until I get a PS5. So far, it's my game of the year. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, I'm happy you're having a really good time with it. It sounds fun. It sounds like something I would like. And if uh, I might jump into it on PS5, um, just because maybe it'll it'll run, you know, at a higher frame rate on on the PS5. If it's yeah, uncapped, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, I, these are all see, and the, these are all things that you know we don't know yet with with PS Five, right? What games are going to benefit from the boost mode, and what games aren't? And this is all the stuff that like I've been dying to figure out that we just haven't really got all the information yet from the developers because I don't. I mean, it's not first on their mind. No one, you know, Bethesda's not like we should tell everybody that this game's going to run in sixty FPS on PS Five. People are going to troll them, you know, like. So, yeah, they don't want to. And you also, as a studio, you don't want to make broken promises that you can't deliver when you, there's no real. You have to get, especially games like Destiny and Fallout seventy six that are online games as a service. You have to get those into players' hands before really making those types of promises. Right, like Destiny. Right, you'll be able to play that day and uh, day and date for launch for PlayStation five, but it's not the PlayStation five version. You're still playing the PS four version on the PlayStation five, you have to Until wait till mid December. Yep. And it's the same thing with, um, with cyberpunk, right? Yeah. You can play cyberpunk on your PlayStation five day one, but it's the PlayStation four version of the PlayStation five. You know, like you're playing on the PlayStation five. You have to mm-hmm. wait to play the PlayStation five version for another month or two. I think they said 2021. It's probably several months. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a little disappointing, right? Like I want to play the PS five version of cyberpunk right out the gate, you know? Yeah, for sure. Hands down. It, it, it does have those levels of disappointment, but there are slowly new information getting out. We're going to go ahead and move it over to the news. Uh, the PlayStation embargo has lifted. It, they are, there are review copies out. Uh, sadly, Sony did not reach out to us and supply us with PS5s. <laughs> I don't know why. What the fuck, uh, Sony? Exactly. Get your shit together. Um <laughs> But they are out in the wild. Uh, review copies are out, and we're starting to to see uh, kind of first impressions. They're still kind of under somewhat of an embargo. There are people that are getting to talk about things. Like, uh, for instance, we do know now, uh, thanks to Greg Miller this morning, uh, he uh, wrote uh, an article and put it up on Twitter, and, and it's, there's a video on YouTube. Uh, the trophy system has changed. It's not no longer, you know, usually if you popped a trophy on PlayStation, you would go to your uh, trophies and it would have a little picture. Now there, it, it actually does complete motion capture video um, of the moment you pop the trophy. So you can kind of go back and look at those achievements. Cause some trophies are, you have to defeat like a very powerful boss or something like that. And, and it is kind of cool that they're letting you go back and remember, relive those moments. 
yeah, I think I think the way they overhauled trophies is going to be better for the long run. It's going to be a little weird, I feel like, uh, at first, just because, you know, new console, everything is weird. Moving from PS3 to PS4 was strange, too, um, with just certain little design features here and there. But I... Mm-hmm. I from what I've seen from from a lot of the embargo stuff, uh, obviously uh, they can talk generally about trophies. Really, Greg Miller is probably the only person I, I would not trust, but really respect his opinion on how the trophies are going. Him and Colin are kind of the two people I really like to listen to uh, when it comes to PlayStation. They've been covering it for years, so I I, I tend to trust what they say. Um, mm-hmm with all of that. So I'm interested to see down the line how all of the trophy integration gets played in, but I was watching uh another YouTube um channel that I really enjoy called Skill Up. Uh it's these two guys, well, Skill Up's one of the guys, but they have another uh channel together, they're brothers. It's called Layman Gaming, but they're from Australia, so they were actually able to go because the pandemic's not that bad down there because Australia ha- handled it well. Um they, they were did what they were supposed to, to do yeah they were actually able to get their hands on it um and and play it and give a little bit more of uh in-depth i think uh you know impressions and they were talking about how they thought haptic feedback was going to be kind of this you know gimmicky thing that really wasn't going to do anything and both of them left and said that it is it's game changing they're like this will change the way you play games um, because of the way the controller reacts and feels in your hands. Um, they said the haptic feedback is not, it's not a gimmick. It's not, you know, something that is, is going to, you're going to want to turn off. Like it's something you're going to want to keep on because it is, it, it drastically changes the way you play games, which I, I thought. I, go no, ahead. Go for go it. Ahead. I was just going to say, I cannot wait to experience this because like of what I've read for uh, Demon Souls remake, um, you know, like when you parry, you do a time parry, you can tell when you actually got the good timing in the parry through the haptic feedback uh, games like Cyberpunk, when your firearm and Call of Duty Black Ops 2, I think is doing this when your firearm is empty uh, or the gun jams, you can't pull the trigger anymore. And that's just so that's just so immersive and I love it. And I know that's not going to be for everybody. And I'm sure it is an option that you can turn off and there are people that are going to want to do that. But I think that is very immersive and I can't wait to have, see how that feels in my hand. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm, I'm just very excited. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really great because hearing that from them and they're, they're kind of two skeptics, right? Not skeptics, but they're, they're realists, right? They kind of tell it like it is. They're not, they don't give a shit that Sony invites them in. You know what I mean? They're not that that's not their, their style. Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to give it to you straight no matter what. And hearing them be not only like pleasantly surprised, but say that it's going to sell consoles. And they think that it could be one of the main things that sells PlayStation five is when they start, when people feel the controller and feel the way it plays and how different it is from PlayStation to Xbox that people will pick up PlayStation, which is insane to me to think about. That's something that, you know, I honestly thought was somewhat of a gimmick is now something that could sell a console. That's mm. pretty huge. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's it's going to be it's going to be big. Um, we've seen, you know, 
what this thing looks like outside of the box. We've seen it torn down. We've seen it next to, uh, there's photos online now of it compared to the Xbox series X and S, um, definitely a lot taller. So this is definitely, it's going to suck for uh, the bad thing about both the Xbox series X and the PlayStation five is they're both very, very large. Um, I know a lot of people tend to store these types of consoles in entertainment centers and they're, they're just not going to fit. I'm actually going to have to buy a little, I'm going to kind of buy a stand that kind of is similar to the color scheme of the entertainment center that I have in the living room. So I can put my PS five on it because it's, there's no way else. I, and my TV's too big to sit it on the entertainment stand that the TV sits on. So it's, it, 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 it is an inconvenience, but I'm, I'm happy to take that inconvenience because I can't wait to play my PS five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking to my girlfriend where I'm going to put this fucking beast. Um, and I'm, I'm most likely going to sell my original PlayStation, put the PS4 pro in my kind of office gaming streaming setup thing. And then obviously the PS five is going to be my main, um, uh, entertainment center uh system and i'm like i don't really i don't like the way it looks horizontal i like the way it looks vertically but my i can't i mean i'd have to put it behind my television and like all this other stuff and i so i'm probably gonna have to fucking put the thing horizontally and it's fine but it's huge i mean it's really really massive um so i think people are gonna they're gonna get it and they're gonna pull it out of the box and be like where the fuck do i put this thing yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it there are going to be a lot of issues with that um but you know I'll put it on the floor if I have to for a while if I don't have that entertainment center, you know. I'll just have to yeah, keep my toddler care. away from it. Um, yeah, I don't care that much. <laughs> so, so we'll go over to our next news topic. Um this comes via the Verge, uh, Taylor Lyles writes PS five launch title destruction. All stars has been delayed to February. That is kind of a bummer. Um, but however, it will debut for free on PlayStation plus instead. I think that's kind of cool that, that Sony's kind of going out of their way to, uh, Hey, this sucks. This game looked really cool, but now it's going to be delayed, but it'll be free if you have PS plus. So, um, uh, Taylor Lyles writes, Destruction All-Stars, a vehicular combat game originally slated to launch alongside the PS5 on November 12th, has been delayed to February 2021, but it is now long, It is now a free PlayStation Plus title, Sony announced today. Uh, the, the game will be free on PS Plus for two months. Uh, the game has already was already available for pre-order for $70 ahead of release, but Sony confirmed in a recent blog post that if you pre-order the game at the PlayStation Store, the PlayStation Direct website, or through a retailer, you will be refunded. Uh, Destruction All-Stars is a new intellectual property developed by Lucid Games. Not much is known about the gameplay, but it reminds me a lot of Twisted Metal in some ways. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen this, Destruction All-Stars, it, it more reminded me of Destruction Derby, meets a battle royale because I think you can get out of your vehicle once it's destroyed and be on foot for one last kind of uh, chance to take out the competition before you have to respawn. And so uh, there hasn't been too much gameplay revealed of it, but it does look very, very cool. This was a game that I'm looking forward to. And I think that's kind of cool that Sony's going, Hey, we messed up. It's delayed, but they're refunding everybody and it's going to be free for two months. So I, I, I'll take that totally. 
I think they I think the game probably wasn't ready, which is part of the reason they delayed it, but I also mm-hmm. think that they delayed it because they're worried that people weren't going to buy it and it wouldn't have a good player base at the beginning and it would die. I think this is a when I when I first saw this game I'm like this should be a live service game, this should be free. This should do it. It should be a battle pass system, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's the way this game I I think will end up going. I don't know if they'll even I don't know that they will. Yeah, I I really don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be able to hold a player base um, enough to do that. I could be completely wrong, but I mean, I just I'm really excited about this game. I love cars. I love um, these style games. Twisted Metal. There was a Hot Wheels game back in the day that was actually really, really good for the PlayStation 2. That was very similar to this all car combat and stuff like that. So I, I. I am excited to play it. I'm glad they're doing this. I'm just sad they have to push it to February. And the that aspect of it just makes me believe that they there's a lot more polish they need to do on it. It's not quite up to snuff, which is fine. I'm cool with that. You know, delay the game, give everybody time, make sure it launches well. Um, but I'm disappointed because I really wanted to play this. It, yeah, it is disappointing. But like you said, we we are advocates of like, you know, take all the time you need. Cyberpunk's been delayed so many times. And even I hate... That, you know, if they had to delay it, CD Projekt Red came out and said they're delaying it one more time. That would suck. But it's like, I get it. Get it right. Get it good. You know, I want to play it right. If I get it right, get it right. Get it tight. If I have to pay (laughs) full price for a video game, I want it to a be complete and I want it to run well. Right. Like I want my money to be well invested. Now, I will say this with this this game, Destruction All-Stars. I'm with you. Everything we haven't seen a lot of it, but everything that I have seen does not justify a $70 price point to me anyway. No, not um, at all. So now that this is going to be a free game, this might end up being like free to play too. I, I think you might be onto something there, but it is at least going to be free for two months. So hopefully everybody else with a PS five will take advantage of that. Absolutely. All right, Kevin, what, what's next? We have from the verge Xbox chief, get it? Xbox chief. Haha. Streaming sticks for cloud. 2021 is going to be an interesting year for xCloud by Tom Warren from The Verge. Microsoft's head of gaming and Xbox, Phil Spencer, has hinted that the company is planning a TV streaming stick for its xCloud gaming service. In an interview with Straight Cherry... I've never heard of that website ever. (laughs) Spencer discusses the potential for additional tiers of Xbox Game Pass, which could include a free bundle TV stick to play xCloud games. Quote, I think you're going to see lower priced hardware as part of our ecosystem when you think about streaming sticks and other things that somebody might want to just go plug into their TV and play via xCloud. You could imagine us even having something that will include that will just that we just included in Game Pass subscription that will give you an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and buying the controller end quote. So. This kind of goes on to talk a little bit more about the idea of Xbox game streaming TV stick isn't a new one for Microsoft. The software giant was preparing lightweight Xbox streaming service in 2016, but it canceled the hardware. So this is something that they've had in the works for a while. They just, I don't think, thought they had the install base to do it. And this is something that I think would be a really great move for Xbox if it works and runs well um, if there isn't, you know, major things we talk about all the time with this, right? Latency and input lag. If both of those things are not an option or not an issue, 
they that this is a, a really great option for them. You know, I get I get it, but what do you, what do you hook an Xbox up to? A TV. Why do why do I need a fucking TV stream stick for XCloud? I I just they're starting to you know, this is what this is what fucked them last generation with Xbox One when it came out with the Connect that was bundled in and had to be online only. And they're trying to they were trying to push that TV shit. Stop with the gimmicks and just give us the games. And I and I know this is Phil's way of saying, "Well, I am. I'm trying to get you to play Xbox on every available device you have possible." And and I, I from that aspect, I think it's a good idea. But let, let's 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 back up on the gimmicks and get get your game studios in order get your games rolling out and things like that i agree i mean this is it does get convoluted and i didn't really think of it that way but when you start to you know when you do think of it that way it, it is gimmicky it is it's look people care about the games they care about playing games and they want the system to run well and they want it that's it really they they just want good games and xbox has to step it up which and, and I leads get, us into I, I was just gonna say real quick i get why they're doing this because i do i there is an issue in my household that i've run into where the the, the tv that my console is hooked up to you know my wife might be watching tv and i need to do it on another system and i think this is this does help people with those types of situations so it, it allows you to be able to hey that way you don't have to lug and move the console around um right. i just it just this seems like something they need to be working on after the console launches after they they get into the development process of once they once they get all the bells and whistles and everything worked out of this and the kinks worked out of series x then you can start going with the accessories don't do that pre-launch i hate when companies try to give accessories pre-launch uh sony with the playstation i and, and vr and things like that like i don't give a shit about that let's get the consoles out there first yeah i agree i think this is just I think Phil Spencer's kind of clouding the vision here a little bit and it, it's a it's it's a little strange like why are your consoles not out yet like you're you should be touting if someone wants a cheaper entry point into gaming push the Xbox Series S and push it hard because that is that is the entry level point for 1440p gaming at 120 hertz right like that's mm-hmm. That's what you should be pushing because that thing is a monster and it's cheap. So, and it's not like saying Phil Spencer doesn't want to put games front and center. He also, our next news story comes to you via Sharif Saeed at VG247. Uh, Phil Spencer, I would like to see more single player games from our first party studios, says Xbox Chief. Phil Spencer is aware that Microsoft's first party output has leaned hard into multiplayer over the years. Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, has a very reasonable approach to Games Pass and a realistic outlook of the output of his platform's own first party studios. It's no secret that Xbox Studios developed games have either been entirely multiplayer or had a big focus on multiplayer elements and ongoing live services. Some see Xbox Game Pass as a continuation of that, essentially a single subscription for a host of live service games. But Spencer says this is not Microsoft's plan for services or its own franchise. Speaking to Game Reactor in an interview that covers a multitude of topics, the Xbox chief said the the Microsoft doesn't dictate the business model or monetization strategies for its teams. Quote, 
it's totally up to each studio. And I know some people that when they've looked at the model around Games Pass and have assured that Games Pass is actually a better model if there's more games as a service games in the subscription, end quote. But that's not how Spencer sees it. The strength of Game Pass, according to him, is in its diversity of content, not how many live service games there are. Uh, the last thing I want is in Game Pass is that there's one game that everybody's playing forever. That's not gaming content subscription. That's a one game subscription. That's World of Warcraft, right? End quote. So, uh, you know, he, he wants um, to increase those uh, single player games that kind of can compete with Sony. And I think they, they have the ability to do that. You know, I just looked up right now that these are the Xbox series, uh, X, uh, first party studios with now with Bethesda, you know, you have three, four, three that makes halo arcane makes dishonored and prey Bethesda fallout and Skyrim. Uh, the coalition does their gears of war, uh, you know, they also have Double Fine, which is a Tim Sweeney, very single player, Psychonauts, Broken Age, things like that. Uh, it's Software, Doom, Quake, um, Machine Games for Wolfenstein, Ninja Theory. They have Hellblade, uh, Obsidian, Fallout New Vegas, South Park, The Outer Worlds, um, and they, they have a new RPG in development. So the, the, there are, I think people need to calm down. There are going to be, I think, some really good single player first party games for Xbox this next gen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think the they're in an interesting place because they need single player and PlayStation needs multiplayer. Um, mm-hmm. Both kind of went their separate ways, right? And those who care about those great single player experiences typically are over on PlayStation. And those who want really robust kind of first party multiplayer experiences, your Sea of Thieves, your Halo, they're over on Xbox. And PlayStation, I think, is going to try to right that ship. They have obviously started with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and I think they will try to get on that as well with the factions part of um, The Last of Us. I believe that's going to be free to play. I, I don't think it would be smart to even charge 30 or 40 bucks for it unless it's phenomenal Um, and then godfall godfall too yeah so yeah i I think you're right i think both both studios are now seeing kind of the error of their ways and they're trying to both both studios are trying to blow both publishers excuse me are both trying to um have their cake and eat it too uh sony does single player really well but they they are starting to slowly add these multiplayer games as a service microsoft does games as a service really well but they're starting to add uh these studios like uh bethesda and um, obsidian they can make some really really good single player games and hopefully uh they they, they stick with the exclusive exclusivity of it i think i've said it before i think phil spencer would come out with that big dick energy and and say yeah elder scrolls six is xbox exclusive for a year just go ahead and do it yeah fuck it what's right. next gif so this comes from vg247 from don papayat you always get the hard names <laughs> yeah god of war will run at 60 fps and will support ps4 saved games on ps5 god of war will run at 60 frames per second on playstation 5 and will support your saved game data from playstation 4 Sony Santa Monica has confirmed if you decide to boot up God of War on your PS5 from November 12th, you will be able to set 
select a favor performance option in the game menu. This will allow you to boost the game to 60 FPS, though this option is available on PS4 Pro. We imagine the PS5 version will be more stable and consistently operate at around 60 FPS. The developer hasn't made it clear, though, if the resolution will go beyond 1080p if you choose this option. Additionally, you'll be able to pick up where you left off from PS4. Thanks to save transfers, the developer hasn't outlined exactly how this will work just yet, but it'll be nice to know that you'll be able to carry on from where you left off or even a new Game Plus adventure if you're looking to ogle the game on next-gen tech. Now, why the fuck wouldn't they release, whether it's 1080p or 4K, you might ask? Because it's going to run in fucking 1080, and it's not going to be supported in 4K. No. That I mean, it's got to be the only reason that they didn't announce that. And, and I, I think the reason for this is this is going to be just a PS4 port. It's going to be a ported... Right upscaled it runs a little bit better right like i played i played in performance mode when i played god of war um on ps4 pro and it, it ran fairly stable 60 um during that so that's all all this is is the ps4 port and that it, it's confirming that it will be at 60 fps um i think a lot of people to to that they're going to be disappointed the the difference between console gaming and pc gaming is frame caps are unlocked on pc when they're developed for a console and and especially games that are specifically developed for that specific console, you, you can't just go in and unlock the frame rate, right? You have to, there has to be a patch, something that changes that the developer puts in it because it was specifically made to do a certain thing on a specific console. You're going to have to wait for God of War remastered for the PS five, right. To get that 4k 60, um, now, Kevin, I want to ask you something. I have been seeing a lot of games that were like uh, Watch Dogs Legion recently has been uh, quoted that it's going to run 4K 30 on Xbox Series X and PS5. There has not been any information released yet that says that there's a performance option to allow it to run in 60. What do you think that these consoles are not as powerful as they once were thought to be? Or is this a problem with making games for last gen and this gen at the same time? Do we need to get out of that and just get into PS5 and Xbox development? Yeah, I think that that's what it is. I think they're being throttled from having to be on PlayStation 4 and Xbox uh, One X. I, I that's These consoles have the specs to be able to run 4K60. Um, and there are games that are going to do it. Um, I think it's difficult for developers at this stage to develop resources to have enough resources to develop both skews of the game from the ground up, obviously, right? Like they, they have to share a lot of assets and that's going to bottleneck a lot of the hardware. And I think that's what's happening with Spider-Man Miles Morales. I think, I think it's going to be bottlenecked to a certain extent. Um, because it is being going to be playable on PS4, the exact same game, right? It's just going to look a little different, feel a little different, run a little better. But if that were built for PS5 and then downscaled to PS4, it would be different. But I don't think that that's exactly how it's happening at the moment, you know? It's so weird to me that some studios are able to do this and some aren't. Like uh, CD Projekt Red, like they're knee deep in a cyberpunk, but they've already said that in about early to mid December, a version for the PS5 and Series X of Witcher 3 will be coming out where it runs at 60 FPS, will have better visuals, but have high dynamic range and things like that, that the game from 2015 did not. And so it's like, how come some studios are able to do this with some 
current gen games and some aren't that's kind of disappointing to me and i i've watched i watched gameplay yesterday um there's a guy uh streamer that i like he plays a lot of pc rpgs um his name's cone carnage and he was playing uh early uh access of watchdog legions uh ubisoft provided him a copy and uh, i'm not impressed by that game i'm not impressed by valhalla these these ubisoft games they're they're all good right they're all just kind of they're all just kind of good they're not mind-blowing they're not breaking their own mechanics they're not changing anything up it's it's go here collect this kill this guy do this clear the map that's all ubisoft games are and that's what legion's looking like and it doesn't look that much more technically advanced than division 2 so i i just don't know um why some of these games are having such issues with these consoles and i'm i'm just hoping that that it's that we're not i i just i'm done with 30 fps like I'm done. It's 2020. Right. I I don't want to play a game in 30 frames per second anymore than I have to. And I the fact that Valhalla they haven't released is it locked at 4K 30? Because if it is, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just I I don't want that anymore. Like games are so janky. To look what and people are maybe listening to this going like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's not that bad, dude. Go play a game on PC or uh, a game at sixty, and then try to play that same game at thirty. It they there is a world of difference. Now, with that being said. Uh, I still would like to check out Fallout 76 on PS4 Pro because I have friends that play on PS4 and I'd like to play it with them. Um, but I, that's because that game is made for that. We're, we're approaching a new generation and I think 60 FPS is not that bad of a deal to ask for. I completely agree with you. It, it's not It's not like a big ask. <laughs> no, it's really not. I don't think, especially the way with the like, graphics cards like AMD's 6000 that's coming out and then the 3080s from Nvidia that are going to blow both of these consoles out of the water it's not that big of an ask to ask for 60 fps on some of these consoles so especially yeah, the power that's in them digital foundries broke down both consoles and they say that they should be completely capable of delivering 1080 60 on everything which is totally fine for me i don't i'd rather have 1080 60 than 4k 30 oh hands down so uh, next story comes to you via VG247 of Lauren Lauren Aitken, Destiny, Be- Destiny 2 Beyond Light, new vid- video doc. Uh, it says Vidoc. I hate that word. It's a video doc. It's a, just, just say documentary. Reveals Season of the Hunt, Roadmap, The Crow, and more. Beyond Light will tell the next trilogy of stories in Destiny 2, according to the latest Vidoc. In Beyond Light, you'll be moving away from the norm in Destiny 2 as Guardians follow a new path involving the darkness. The Exo Stranger returns to encourage us all to take on the darkness by working with it, not against it. Uh, Europa, has, as expected, is a massive, beautiful, and desolate area for Guardians to explore with much more delights hidden underground. Bungie has gone on all out to create a diverse weather system on Europa that will impact how you play and interact with the world around you. But enough about ice. Let's take a look at all this sweet new content going on November 10th. Um, the article kind of goes on. I'm just going to pull up real quick a picture of this roadmap here. And great. It won't zoom in. So it's very hard to see. So I guess I'll go on with the article. <laughs> why why incre- include a hyperlink that increases the picture size but doesn't increase the size of it? It literally is the same size as the link that's on the article. Um. But they're going to have, uh, you'll be able to uncover more secrets of Europa before adapt weapons are added to trials. Um, more 
from November 17th, Season of the Hunt, missions will open up with Wrathborn Hunt. Uh, for those ex- chasing exotic weapons and armor, we also got a list of what you can expect from this upcoming season. They have the names listed of all the exotics. There's about three, six, nine, about 14 new exotics um, wow. coming. Uh, as you know, we talked about earlier, Destiny 2, they're losing, I think, Mars, Io, Nexus, and there may be one other planet. Titan, I think, are leaving. Um, but we're also getting back a lot of planets from Destiny 1, and I think that's going to be really cool. Uh, they're introducing back a lot of the strikes from Destiny 1 that are going to be, you know, up-resed uh, in 4K, 60, and that's... I, I just, I'm excited to get all this content of Destiny 1 being added to Destiny 2, along with new content for Destiny 2. I think Destiny is in a is probably one of the better games-as-a-services you can play today. Oh, absolutely. I think once Activision kind of had their hands off of Bungie, they were able to uh, correct course a little bit and, and, and figure out what every what the community wanted and how they could best serve the game. And they're doing a good job. Um, I'm excited to jump back into it on PlayStation 5. For sure, for sure. What do we got next, Kev? All right. This is comes from VG247 from Sharif Saeed. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War's PlayStation exclusive mode is Zombies Onslaught. Don't think there'll be a PlayStation exclusive mode in Black Ops Cold War? But wait, don't think there won't be a PlayStation exclusive in, in Black Ops Cold War. As it is custom, PlayStation players are getting some bonus content this year's Call of Duty game. When Activision sold DLC map packs, the bonus was to simply offer them 30 days early on PlayStation. Starting with last year's Modern Warfare, however, the publisher adopted a fair approach whereby all meaningful post-launch content given to all players for free at the same time on all platforms. This meant that developers now had to devise some other mode to lock away for a year. Last year, it was Survival. This year, it is Zombies Onslaught. Zombies Onslaught is the two-player co-op mode in Black Ops that takes place on the game's multiplayer maps. This setup is fairly simple. A dark aether orb spawns in and limits the playable area with a BR-style encroaching circle, all while zombies will be flooding in from both direction from all directions all of them must be defeated for for the orb to be fully charged at which point it moves to a different spot and the cycle begins anew this is a score-based mode and treyarch has assigned a few rewards to each scoring tier which the developer says can be used across the rest of the game unlike multiplayer traditional zombies in warzone all your existing loadouts will be available in in zombies onslaught it will be available at the year at the game's release day of November 13th, exclusive to PlayStation consoles for a year. So this is kind of interesting. It's an exclusive mode to PlayStation. I don't know how popular this mode is going to be. I'm assuming that it's going to be fairly popular, um, but it, it does suck for Xbox players that it's a full year they can't play it. Yeah, have they said is this is this the full on zombies mode? that is coming with black ops or is this just a a sub kind of like how spec ops was in modern warfare yes i think that's exactly what it is i think it's it, just an it's added, not the main like it's not is, the main zombies mode that's going to be exclusive to playstation yeah it's like a different version of zombies essentially okay well that's good because the, the way i first took this was that zombies was completely exclusive to playstation i was like that is insane that's huge because that's one one thing that a lot of black ops fans were looking forward to was to play the zombies mode that's been popularized for call of duty for many many years um and to put that playstation exclusive like that was kind of insane to me 
Yeah, that I mean that would have been egregious. And who knows? I mean, maybe that is what it is, but I, I'm with you. I think this is not the case with that. Uh, but it is it is kind of more the case of, you know, Activision and Sony have been in bed with each other for a very long time. And I'm very kind of surprised that that um, Sony has not tried to throw some cash at them to to make some of these Call of Duties exclusive to PlayStation only. I really am surprised about that. Me too. Me too. I don't think I don't think they could get away with it. I think it'd have to be some kind of astronomical number because Call of Duty is such a cash cow, um, and Activision is probably the greediest. Activision Blizzard is probably the greediest company in video games known to man, even more so than EA. Um, I I I just kind of uh, am surprised Sony hasn't tried to make more of a deal. And maybe they maybe this is what they're trying to do. Maybe these are steps. So I don't know. Uh, we're gonna yeah. kick it over. Uh, to, we have one last news topic that it's going to flow into our main topic. So our last news topic today is... Okay, so this last article comes via IGN by Joe Scrubbles. Um, writes, Assassin's Creed to become a live-action Netflix show with multiple projects being planned. Netflix has announced that it will produce a live-action Assassin's Creed series executive produced by Ubisoft's Jason Altman and Danielle Krynik which will be the first of multiple new projects announced on Twitter this morning at 845 this morning. The collaboration got a teaser logo, uh, which shows the, uh, the classic Assassin's Creed logo, but with an N for Netflix inside. Uh, press release explains that the live action series will be an epic genre blending live action adapt adaptation. A search is currently underway for a showrunner. However, this is apparently the, just the first project from Ubisoft and Netflix. The collaboration will tap into the iconic video games tr- trove of dynamic stories to create a live action animated and anime series good fucking god uh that may include the assassin's creed anime series we previously heard was being developed by castlevania anime producer adi adi shankar uh this deal is also seems to be the fruition of ubisoft's promise to create an assassin's creed tv series in 2017 quote for more than 10 million for, or excuse me for more than 10 years millions of fans across the world have helped shape the Assassin's Creed brand into an iconic franchise in quote said Altman uh, we're thrilled to create an Assassin's Creed series with Netflix and we look forward to developing the next saga in the Assassin's Creed universe in quote next Netflix's Peter Friedlander added we're excited to partner with Ubisoft and bring to life the rich and multi layered storytelling that Assassin's Creed is beloved for from its breathtaking historical worlds and massive global appeal as one of the best selling video game franchises of all time. We are committed to carefully crafting epic and thrilling entertainment based on this distinct IP and provide a deeper dive, blah, 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 blah. The new Assassin's Creed series join a growing slate of Ubisoft TV and movie projects, including a movie that is based on the division starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain uh, beyond Good and Evil series helmed by Detective Pikachu director Rob Letterman and a Splinter Cell animated series helmed by John Wick writer Derek Kolstad. Now, this is going into our topic of the show. Uh, we also got last week, um, you know, you heard all these things that uh, Ubisoft is trying to develop in the TV pro- TV and movies. Uh, we saw last week a screenshot uh, that a depicted Tom Holland on set uh, as Nathan Drake, as well as Mark Wahlberg's creepy porn stash because he's going to be playing (laughs) Sully. Um, You know, we have the things like that. There's also, you know, the Last of Us series that's coming to HBO. Kevin, I'm not a fan of 
video game adaptations other than video games themselves. What is your take on all? What's your take on all of this? Is this uh, the the topic of the show today is are video game adaptations a needed and B wanted? Is there an audience for these things? Discuss. So my, my, my issue here is that there are very few new intellectual properties popping up um, throughout cinema throughout video games uh throughout even the theater industry um because people are not taking as many chances like we just had all of these marvel movies which they knew were going to sell because of marvel and because superheroes right they're using video games now i think the the movie industry the film industry is and the and the tv obviously i'm kind of lumping them into the same i know they're different um but they see these expansive universes and really great stories being told through the medium of video games. And they say, you know what? We could fucking make a lot of money off of this. Do I think an Assassin's Creed TV show would be entertaining? Yes. Do I think they could tell a really interesting story? As long as it's not the story that's already being told by the video games. Yes. Now, to speak you kind of have to take it on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. So I actually think the Assassin's Creed uh, series would be a good idea if it was live action, right? Now they're talking about doing all this different antiquated stuff. We're going to do anime. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's like, okay, that's fine. I guess it's not for me. And and I think I think where it gets a little annoying is that if you're a fan of something and you're a fan of video games, let's say you don't watch a lot of TV, Right. But they're like, oh, well, my favorite video game is Assassin's Creed, and that series is going to be made into a Netflix show. And now if you have to watch that Netflix show to understand the next games that come out, or if there's anything like that, hell to the motherfucking no. We don't want that shit. I don't want to have to watch you know, a, a TV show to understand the next video game. If it becomes intertwined like that, I am completely 100% against that. I don't want that. At all. I don't want to have to sit through 10 hours of a TV show to understand where my the character is going to be in the next video game, right? But if it's standalone and they tell a good story and there's, you know, people that will like it, sure, fine. That's Assassin's Creed. Resident Evil does not need any sort of um, TV adaptation. It just doesn't. The, the games are great and scary, and they provide their own experiences. There are other experiences, TV and film out there in the horror genre, that to, to satisfy that need. It's, it's an oversaturated market as it is, right? Why do you need to add Resident Evil to that? You don't. Now, the screenshot of Tom Holland as Nathan Drake really had me excited because I really like Tom Holland. I think he's a good actor. I think he's going to do a really nice job with Nathan Drake. Um he just probably but, tuck his shirt in halfway. Right, 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 right. I saw that from Neil <laughs> Druckmann too, right? And and those little things, like I'm excited for that movie mainly because I love Indiana Jones style films. Part of the reason I like uh, Uncharted is that it's very clearly heavily, 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 heavily inspired by that. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that type of movie just speaks to me. 
and I, I really like action adventure movies set in that type of world. So I'm excited for that. Um, I also, I mean, I like Mark Wahlberg. I'm, I'm from Boston. He's from Boston. I've always liked Mark Wahlberg. I like the shit he does. Um, he's a great, uh, great actor. So I'm, I'm cool to see what he does with Sully. Is it going to change Uncharted? Yes, absolutely. You know, is it going to be different tonally because of the magic that has been brought to the VO room from from the actors of the video game? Yes, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different, but I think it's going to be good, right? It's going to be it's going to be Hollywood good. And when you start mixing, it's like when you start mixing film and TV, right? When something is a movie, it goes to television they're just such different mediums, right? Even TV to, to film is is so different and it and a lot gets changed or gained or lost depending on what medium you want to have that IP live in. And when you start changing beloved characters, not only from the people who, the actors who are portraying them, you, you start to change... I don't want to say the integrity of the IP, but you fundamentally start to you fundamentally start to disintegrate what it is and change it into something else, which is fine, right? I have no problem with change. But a lot of fans do. And I mean, it's like the same like I love Kingdom Hearts, right? We talked about Kingdom Hearts earlier and do I want to see a movie like a live action movie of kingdom? I would rather jump off a cliff than see that. <laughs> I really, you know what I mean? Like would I watch an anime of it. Mon- Monster hunter. Yeah. Right. Like why? Like, what are you do- like? What are you doing? Like monster hunter? Like that's, there's no story there. Like we're, there's no, that world is not revolved around, you know, uh, uh, an hour and a half, two hour blockbuster. And there's not much to be done there, right? You know, like, you know what's have... funny about Monster Hunter that shows me how poor it's going to be? Not saying that she's not a decent actress and everything that she can't act, but Capcom's production studio puts as much fucking thought into this is that they were like, hey, let's just cast the main character from our Resident Evil movies to be the star of fucking Monster Hunter. Like, it's just, right. it's, it, 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 what the fuck? I, I don't understand. Like, I know that there's an audience. Are these movies going to make money? Are these TV shows going to make money? Absolutely. Um, that's why they're doing it. That, and that's the problem. That's the main problem I have is, is that these companies are trying to make movies and cash in on something to to cash in on a medium. And you, in, in my opinion, it's bastardizing a lot of the work, hard work that these video game developers and publishers do, right? Because you're, you're, you're taking away. You're like, oh, we can. You're, you're basically what this says to me is, you're saying, oh, I can, we can do that, but we can make it better. We can make right. this for people that don't play video games, and we can make a story out of it. We'll make a fucking killing and blah blah blah. There's people that have. You know, we've talked about crunch and how we just kind of aren't really with all that and thinking that it's that big of a deal, but. This other side of that coin is there are people that work on these that really, really work hard on video games and that's their art. And when you make a movie and I'm sorry, there's what is the only is there has there ever been a decent film adaptation of any video game ever? Yeah, I'm sure there has. I mean, name me one. I don't know. I'm going to let me let me look some up. video. The, game. the Warcraft movie wasn't bad, but it did very badly. Um, uh, I just I just feel like 
when when you make something of somebody's art and it comes out and it doesn't perform well or it's just not good, it it, it hurts the legacy of that game, in my opinion. Yeah. It, and it so, absolutely does. I, I just, I mean, they've done Hitman before, Doom, Resident Evil. I'm like scrolling through all of these different Super Mario Bros. Do you remember that one from 1993? God, that was terrible. <laughs> what a what a film, right? Laura and, Croft, and I, obviously. I um, think, and they those did have somewhat success. And I think, but it's just because Angelina Jolie's hot, and that's all yeah. you wanted to see her in skimpy shorts and run around with her tits out. Right. She didn't have tri- She didn't have triangle boobs though. Um, no. I think the problem with it uh, is the fact that there is going to be people that want these things, but. I'm with you on the sense that if they start intertwining stories that I have to watch a 10 hour TV series to play the next whatever. Yeah, that's, that's a huge problem. And I hope it and pray it doesn't go down that route, but, um, and I think you hit the nail on the head case by case basis, right? Like there should have never been a Mario brothers movie because like, that's a game that's, that strictly exists as, and has success because it, it only can work as a game, right? It's a platformer what the fuck am I supposed to go watch an hour and a half movie about a platformer for Uh monster hunter monster hunter is a game because the gameplay is fun to people. Those mechanics, they play monster hunter for the game. They don't play monster hunter for the story. Why are you spending that much money to make a show? Last of us could be good, but my thing is if, if it's not Joel and Ellie, then it's basically the walking dead. And, if it is Joel and Ellie, then you're taking away the com- away from the performance and the beautiful performance of Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. So while, while I think case by case basis has to exist, it, it does come into the realm of uh, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Right. I mean, so I'm looking here at Rotten Tomatoes, right? And this is a list of the 43 video game movies ranked worst to best based on rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Number one, we have the Angry Birds movie two coming in at 73%. Detective Pikachu at 68. Sonic the Hedgehog at 63. Tomb Raider, the 2018 version coming in at at a 51%. And after that, it uh, it gets pretty abysmal. Uh, and which, that's crazy to think that the number one video game movie per Rotten Tomatoes is a 78 and it's a fucking mobile game. Right. <laughs> and and it's a it's a children's movie. Yeah, it's not that, you, you can it's safe, right? You can you, you can almost guarantee that a children's movie with decent cinematics is going to sell well in the box office. Right. With with voiceover work done by Josh Gad, Leslie Jones, Bill Hader and Jason Sudeikis, like it's going to be good, you know, like it. it they're, those and, are and, and they actors. took something that didn't have a story and they created a story out of it. So there's a exactly. way to make success. But uh, I think the general consensus is games that already have a story do not do well in film. And I really, really hope that this Uncharted movie does not fucking suck. Um, my hope is, 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 is a, we just get, cause we really haven't in the movie or in the games much got too much of a backstory on Nate. And so it would kind of, I know we got the, the, the section in uncharted three and the section on uncharted four and the mansion and things like that. But as far as like a legit backstory and, and growing up and meeting Sully, I'm fine with this. If that's all it is, leave it alone and don't make a sequel to it. Yeah, me too. I, I just, you know, I, oh God, it's so, 
But you know they're going to make like three to four of these fucking things. Uh, I mean, as long as it doesn't, as long as they're they're not, you know, erasing stories that have already been told and it's all kind of like pre, you know, that time period between where we see in Uncharted 3, um, you know, young Drake as a kid meeting Sully and, and that kind of shit. And, you know, they they can mess around with that time frame a little bit right up until Uncharted 1 where they're on the boat. So and I think Uncharted's the type of IP that is an exception to the rule, maybe because because Nate's it's it it's a story to tell, right? Like he has probably tons of stories that you've never heard of, and so I think in that world it can work, but in worlds like video games that are kind of these one 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 liners and one one story like Monster Hunter and like you can't tell a story there, um, you know they're making a Metal Gear solid movie and the problem with that is it's going to be beat for beat metal gear solid one on the playstation which is touted by many critics as the till still to this day the best mocap voice acting in any video game ever and so it's going to be beat for beat the same game and so that's i think when you try to make something a complete reimagining on film is when you run into problems now things with uncharted if it is just telling a new story and you do and if there are sequels and they do kind of just hey we're going to tell a story but it's not going to fuck with canon because in uncharted there really isn't too much canon like there there is but there's spaces in between it right like there's gaps that you can tell stories that i think uncharted is probably the one thing that can work um but i've never i've never been the type of gamer that i sit down and i'm like man if i play a really good video game that has a really good story i've never once rolled credits and go man i wish this is a movie never ever ever because video games do something so uniquely different from film and tv and other forms of media in that you get to control that person you get to feel a connection to that character that you wouldn't normally feel because you are carrying out these this story you are you are making decisions you are you know shooting you're pulling the trigger you are punching the the enemy you are doing the things and there is a level of interconnectivity between you and that character that you can't necessarily get through a uh, through a film and i i think uncharted is kind of the exception to the rule because the world is so heavily based off of film uh and I think it's so uniquely crafted in the way that they've on purpose left out a lot of the story and a lot of time frame. I think, uh, early and also, you know, after uh, credits roll on uncharted four, uh, there's so much more room for stories to be told. Now, do I wish the uncharted movie was another uncharted game? A hundred percent. I wish they took that cool story that they're creating for film, spread it out, added gameplay, and, yeah. and made it into a video game to launch with PlayStation fucking five. But I would hey, love that's not a, where we're at. I would love a PS5 prequel that's all about young Nate the entire game. Yeah, it'd be it'd be really cool. They could completely change up mechanics and you know uh, show him how you know show how he learns how to shoot and all this kind of stuff. Like it would be it would be really great. It would be awesome, awesome, awesome content. Um, so it's disappointing in that sense. Is that I, I always want the effort to just go into like making more games. If you want, mm-hmm. you know, if 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 Naughty Dog is done making uncharted games from the ground up and they want to move on to something else give the ip to another trusted studio have them develop the game have naughty dog 
you know, give them what, give them the help that they need, right? Maybe you allocate 10% of your staff to work with the new studio uh, to make sure that the game is up to snuff and that the IP is well taken care of and that the gameplay works and, you know, here's how, here's how we do this and we do that. That I feel like is a really great use of expanding the universe and giving someone else a shot at telling a new story but still in the medium of video games, right? You can breathe fresh life to an IP by just giving it to another studio and having them take a swing at it. Yeah, it's 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 hit or miss. And the thing that sucks about it is, you know, one of my favorite, my favorite video game character, character, not game, but character of all time is Mega Man. They're making a live action Mega Man game and or movie and and that's gonna be fucking terrible like it's just (laughs) just just it's like the mario thing leave things alone and i think the the thing that kind of can make these games adaptations successful i think television is better because it is hard to tell a story of a video game especially if you're trying to make it beat for beat or recreation or reimagining, it's hard to tell a game in, in an, in, in a, in a hour and a half, uh, two hours of a, of a 25, 35 hour video game, right? Like it's, it's extremely hard to tell those stories. Um, and then they're like, well, we can just, you know, make a series out of it of movies. Like now I think a video, I think the best adaptation, if they want to go that route with games like, the last of us they're doing correctly. Like that needs to be put into a TV series. Um, Uncharted, you could argue could be a TV series too. Uh, But I, I don't, you agree that I think you're set up more for success as far as creating video game stories on television rather than film. I do. I do. I, it's really tough because the Witcher was good and I haven't watched it, but, the consensus is people really liked it and I, it was the best thing and the worst thing that could have happened for video game IP because it's great that people that love the Witcher had, you know, this cool extended type universe thing, but also I just, because it's good that Netflix is going to want to just milk that teat, you know? It's uh, going to milk and, the well, teat the, of the cow until it's dry. And it's just, I, I oh, it bothers me. Uh, the good thing about the Witcher series is it's, it's, it's beat for beat the books, right? And the books take place um, over, I think, 20 some odd years before the video games start to take place. So that's one good thing about it is they're, they're going off the books. The second season is going to be the second book in the series. So they're not even touching the video games yet, but you're right. You could get into a situation where we're on season eight of the Witcher and it's now they're having to get into the video games and it's like, Oh, okay. So that now you're running into that problem. Um, I also wanted to kind of talk about, I'm more of a fan of video games being turned into novels. Uh, one of the best things that ever happened to the world of Warcraft universe was the novelization of these stories of these and giving background to these characters prior to the launch of world of Warcraft and even into world of Warcraft, the details of some of these characters, uh, the, one of the best books I've ever read as far as fiction goes and, and telling a story in, in high fantasy is it's called Arthas and it's the story of the Lich King. And it is one of the best novels I've ever read in, in as far as like sci-fi and, and, you know, high fantasy and things like that into that world. 
and de- delving into this character who has so much depth and Christy Golden, who's a phenomenal writer. She's wrote a lot of the novels for world of Warcraft. I think novelizing video games is the smarter idea. The only problem is there's no money in that, right? People want to watch their movies. They want to be spoon fed their entertainment. They don't want to take the time to read something, but man, reading a book is more. That's why I, I always, I've always said video games are like books to me because a book I can read. I get invested into a character but I'm also having world building, right? Like I talked about with Fallout 76 earlier, you know, you're doing the same thing in a book. You're reading the details, the levels, the things that go step by step that a character does in a book is kind of like playing a video game. And so I, I like book adaptations more. I've never had yeah. a problem with the, anything, any video game that if they want to make into a book, I'm all for it. Go for it. Well, it's because it doesn't change. I mean, the voice acting doesn't change. The character yeah, you, model doesn't change. None of that. It's changes. in your it head. The same. Yeah. 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 So do you have any any video at game app t- adaptations of TV or film that you've actually enjoyed? Um, honestly, I mean, I really liked the Pokemon movies uh, back when I was a kid. Those things were great in that TV show. Um, mm-hmm. But beside that, I try to steer clear of anything video game related because I just like my video games to be video games. Yeah, for uh, sure. And that, that, and that, and that... Go ahead. That that's just I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to want video games to stay as video games and because I think the medium is so special and I think it brings so much to the table. Obviously, we do a fucking video game podcast. We could do a movie podcast if we wanted to, but we're not we uh, like I love movies. I love film. I'm an actor. I love all that stuff. But video games to me, as far as an entertainment and, a, and an everyday, I don't have to commit in that two, two and a half hours to watch or to play a video game, right? I can. But if I want to jump in, play an hour, play a half hour, I can do that and feel like I've gotten some sense of story and world building and all these things where with a film, you know, I don't like to stop movies halfway through or TV shows halfway through an episode. I'm not that guy. I, if I start something, I got to finish it. So I just, I really like my games to say his games. And I think the Uncharted movie is going to be fine. I think it's going to be good, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a solid seven or eight. It's not going to blow anyone's socks out of the water. Like you're not going to go and be like, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It's not going to be that, but it's going to be good. It's going to be fan servicey, right? And I just, just make the video game instead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's kind of a good good takeaway to end on is just, you know, I think that you can have levels of success. I think I think at best the Uncharted movie will be good. At worst, it'll be a travesty. And that's the thing is I, I don't know why you would want to, as someone who owns an IP like Naughty Dog and Sony, I don't know why you would want to gamble on something that has more opportunity to fail than to succeed and at best is good but at worst it could be just complete trash and not even attempt to make its money back so i don't know why there's such a need to gamble on that when they when the proof is in the pudding that none of these have really ever succeeded and so 
it's it's kind of baffling to me that these are still trying to be made. And I think part of the reason is, is, you know, Hollywood as a whole is out of ideas. You know, we're about to get, you know, Jurassic World five, six, seven, nine, whatever the <laughs> fuck. And then, you know, we're getting remakes. They're making a Bollywood remake of Forrest Gump. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. Yeah. Bollywood in India. They're making a like a Pakistan version of Forrest Gump. Jesus Christ. And it's beat for beat Forrest Gump, but like set in India, he wears, you know, his uh what is the proper name for the the headwear? Um it's not Forrest chic, Gump. is it? No, like the oh, the, the wrap that uh Indian I, people wear. I, 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 have, I forget about that. And then God I'm damn. trying to be as culturally sensitive as possible. I don't mean any offense by that. I I'm just a stupid American and I don't know what yeah, that is. I don't um, know either. But yeah, it's it's beat for beat that, and I think the I think the point is is Hollywood is just out of ideas, and now they're trying to dip their dick into anything that they can, which and now sadly we're at video games. Yeah, I so yeah, just make more video games, please. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna end it this week. This has been the Remote Gaming Podcast for the week of October twenty seventh, twenty twenty. We are slowly kicking away this shit year that is twenty twenty. Um, we're getting closer to the launch of these new consoles. If you guys like the content you're hearing, please write in. Tell us how we're doing at Remote Gaming Podcast at Gmail Let us know what we can improve on. Let us know anything you want to hear. If you want a topic of the show. Uh, we're not, we're down to do that too. Send us an email and tell us, uh, when you want a topic, uh, what, what you'd like to be covered on for topic of the show to hear our opinions on it. Um, get just right into us. Probably I'd say the best time to write those emails is some like on a Saturday. Uh, we do, we try to do the podcast at the beginning of the week, uh, due to me and Kevin's schedule, but we'd love to hear from you. Yes, please write in. Uh, it means the world to us. Like, to know that we have people engaging with us and listening and and it, it really does mean a lot. So please write in, uh, hit us up on Twitter, um, remote underscore gaming 20. And the email one more time is remote gaming podcast at gmail.com. Uh, whatever it is, a big or small, just uh, just write us. We love we love seeing um, all the messages that get sent. So please do it. Yes, Kevin said it correctly. Uh, This has been the Remote Gaming Podcast. I am Joseph King. I'm Kevin Corkum. We'll see you next week. Later.